0: Hello everyone, this is Joseph Thomas with Mortified, your favorite funeral and death related humor site on the internet. If you've been following thus far, you know that we provided you with a series of funny stories about something that really is uh, one of the least funny things that anybody ever has to deal with in all of life, which is death. If you haven't been following along, please remedy that immediately by visiting mortified.substack.com clicking the subscribe button reading everything i've written so far sharing all of those things with all of your friends and maybe even your enemies if you don't have a lot of friends thank you today we're adding a new element to what we've already been doing we're adding the element of conversation Uh, you're going to get new voices new ideas new perspectives new people and the first one of those people is miss rebecca iliff she's an author from nashville tennessee i kept it in my home state for the first one we'll see how it goes Uh, if it goes well i'll expand to the rest of the union i hope you enjoy it this is mortified here with Rebecca Iliff of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, She is an author, a book coming out called Champagne for One in February of 2022. Uh, She's also an editorial writer, been published in Forbes Magazine and the Huffington Post, among others, and for our purposes here, a humor writer uh, who has been published in Jane Austen's Wastebasket, Weekly Humorist, Points in Case, and Slackjaw. I almost forgot Slackjaw. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, Alex. Um, <laughs> welcome, Rebecca. It's it's nice to meet you. Uh, this Likewise. is the, our, our first time talking, so it's I'm looking forward to it.
1: Likewise, and thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, really, to get started, one of the first things that I noticed that I liked about uh, you as a person before I met you was on your website. You talk about laughter uh, being healing, and uh, that's kind of what I've set out to do with these stories is just make you laugh at something that we normally don't laugh at so I feel like this should be a good a good match um, to start with I would like to know a little bit about some of your influences who who uh, comedically do you relate to the most
1: well growing up I I grew up in a super conservative christian household which meant that anything i was watching was pretty much like sneaking downstairs for my 30 minutes of television a day to watch so um but my dad was a actually in it to his credit um he was a huge snl fan steve martin martin short you know that kind of cohort um So yeah, those were early influences. I think also Howard Stern, who's really, I guess, not a comedian. He's more, you know, the whole like shock jock thing. But for whatever reason that resonated with me, I mean, this is like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like a teenage girl living in Kansas. I have no idea why that was relatable to me. Um, But, you know, I always found his take on things really kind of like interesting and a little bit um, off color, which um, I appreciated. But yeah, I mean, I think other other people, um, obviously, I was a huge fan of Seinfeld growing up. Again, I was it was a show I was allowed to watch. Um, From a writing standpoint, I think, you know, David Sedaris has been a big influence for me. Just I just love his writing. And I think Mm -hmm. he's such a great storyteller. Um, And he, he does a really, I would say, like, unique uh, job of being funny, but being poignant and very thoughtful. And he tackles really difficult topics. I don't know if you're familiar with his writing, but you know, the relationship with his father, which is very complicated and his mother who died of alcoholism and his sister, Tiffany, who committed suicide. It's just very like difficult um, topics that he somehow manages to make funny. And also Mm -hmm. he's so self-aware. So his ability to kind of just poke fun at himself is is really brilliant. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I love Samantha Irby. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but um, she's kind of a new-ish writer. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like my favorite kind of stand-up comedians are Dave Chappelle, and I love J.P. Sears, and Ryan Long, um, and Jeff Jeffries. um, So oddly, I I actually do like um, Ali Wong, but Mm -hmm. oddly, I don't have a lot of female comedian it's female writers but female comedians i i um am not for whatever reason super attracted to in terms of the content but i do love Ali wong
0: right right and and it's interesting uh i don't know it's interesting that howard stern's in there i don't know if maybe that's a little bit of rebellion or 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 what uh given the
1: well i think yeah he was talking about all the things that i wasn't allowed to like talk or think about you know, Mm -hmm. and and I just, yeah, it was probably rebellion. I mean, I would literally sneak downstairs at like 11 o'clock at night and turn on Howard Stern, like very quietly. Um, yeah, it's weird, but.
0: But, but it, it appealed to you and, uh, and has influenced you and, And it sounds like a good, a pretty good, well-rounded list. You know, it's not all of the same person (laughs) that you just listed. It's not five different versions of the same person. Uh, So I'm glad to, glad to learn a little bit about that. Um, I am curious as to uh, what beyond just liking Saturday Night Live or liking these comedians got you into writing humor because, It seems like you had a, I mean, you've got a good thing going outside of the humor world. Um, So what kind of, what drew you into writing humor and comedy pieces?
1: So I think in my career, which has spanned, you know, 20 years in marketing, communications, and technology, Mm -hmm. writing was probably my actual, like only skill, (laughs) like the skill that I could always stand behind. And so I would just. I would get roped into just writing things constantly, whatever it was. And um, and then I feel like what I loved doing was taking really complex subject matter and grounding it. And one of the ways that I could do that was with humor or with kind of poking fun at something or making it light. Um, and so I, I really kind of done that or have been doing that for as long as I can remember, like as long as I've been writing, it's just my natural voice is kind of in a lightweight, not super academic, not you know reportage it's like this very conversational uh, tone And so in 2017 and I know I, I've shared this with you um, one of my best friends was killed really tragically in an accident and I just kind of obviously my everything kind of went sideways and I went through this very um, long period of grief where I started, just thinking about like okay what do i really want to do with my i mean this was four i guess four and a half years ago now but things just shifted so i was like okay what is going to get me out of this uh period of time like what and and really humor was what drew me out of it and as a result i started taking classes at the second city i enrolled Mm -hmm. in their satire the same program that you were in the satire and humor writing program i just started like binge watching every, you know, comedian that I loved uh, reading humor and thought, okay, like if, if this is kind of naturally what i like to do, let me see if I can figure out how, if I can learn to do it in a way that, um, is consumable and where I can Mm -hmm. potentially at some point make a living or part of a living or maybe, maybe never. I mean, but, but something that brought me joy again. Um, and so I think that, you know, and I think part of what you're doing with this podcast is uh, there's a really strong relationship between grief and the ability of humor to provide levity in situations that are otherwise very difficult. And so um, that's what got me into it. Um, You know, and I, and I like it. So that, that helps too. I don't think I'm great at it. I think I'm decent and I hope to just continue to learn and get better and, um, You know, I think there's there's so much to learn there.
0: You know, to me, it's interesting that you bring up the uh, the relationship between humor and and hard things or difficult things, specifically death. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of funerals and the best funerals are the ones where the people are laughing during the service i remember um just very quickly there was one the funeral wasn't even that funny like i mean it was a normal <laughs> preacher got up and did the thing and and it was it was fine they played amazing grace and go rest high on that mountain and you know like they were supposed to yeah and um we were driving to the cemetery i was driving the hearse and the lights on the dashboard flickered in the hearse and then it stopped they just quit going in the middle of the road, and I was coasting by this point, and I just pulled very slowly off to the side, and uh, we had a police escort, and he he stopped and came back to me, and he said, "What happened?" And I said, "The hearse died." <laughs> and he said, "Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do?" And I said, "I guess we're gonna go tell them that the hearse died." You know, like what else? <laughs> I'm yeah, standing like, in the rain the on the side of the of road. Yeah. yeah. And so I go back to, and he was like, are they going to be okay with that? And I said, they have to be because it died. <laughs> like, I can't awkward. fix this. And so I went back to the family and I was scared to death. I'd been in it, you know, three or four years at this point. I was 26 maybe. And, um, which people don't take you very seriously as a funeral director at 26 yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know, anything, In anything.
1: It's like no one takes you seriously. Yeah.
0: So I go back and I'm talking to the family. I said, okay, uh, the bad news is the hearse died. And they said, is there good news? And I said, no, <laughs> like there's not. And they started laughing hysterically. And I said, okay, I need you to ex- like, I know this is kind of funny, but what's going on? They said, they said, dad always tried to work on things and he messed them up worse every time. And so this is his last run. Yeah, like this is the up. last thing that he tried to do and he messed it up for all of us. Gotcha. And then they they were just on the side of the road in the rain uh, laughing uncontrollably and I was like, "Oh, okay, we're going to be fine." Yeah. Like they're they're fine with this. Yeah. Um I'm not going to get a phone call about how our equipment's terrible and you know all this. <laughs> Uh, but well, it made a, them that's feel a
1: testament better to them too. Cause you know, people who can generally laugh at things just are happier. I mean,
0: Oh yeah. You, yeah. you
1: can't like take everything. I mean, obviously serious things need to be taken seriously, but at some point, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out how to, how to have levity. Yeah.
0: At, at some point something happens that you either have to laugh at or get mad about. Right. And they chose to laugh. And I was very appreciative of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, of so, uh, uh, and obviously, I mean, I feel pretty strongly about this relationship, too, um, just because this is something that not a lot of people like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you can talk about it in, in, in a funny way, you open up bigger conversations. Um, I know there were a lot of times I would be seeing families and I would take them into casket rooms and nobody likes going in a casket room. Uh, yeah. But some Distant relative, some like second cousin who was there for some reason would just walk over and be like, "Hey, this one's yours, Lucy," and and point at some casket, tell them what they're picking out for them, and start laughing about it. And that made everything easier at that point. Everybody was just they were cool with where they were and what they were doing. So
1: I, I think it's like I've learned the very hard way that sometimes you know trying to be funny is just inappropriate. Like I've put my foot in my mouth so many times, just you know because it is it's that that need to like want things to be okay it's what for whatever reason it's you know i am compelled to like i just want everything to be fine you know or people to be happy um but i think it's more like it's less about being funny and it's more about just you know providing some light you know i always look at it like the the light in the in the dark kind of thing you know it's and humor allows that even if it's a like a small Uh, gesture of humor or levity it it allows that light to come in Um, so yeah I mean I'm sure you have also said things that you regret just help me out here
0: (laughs) oh yeah oh oh, yes (laughs) you. you. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah
0: I I most definitely have Uh, my goal was always in in sitting with families my goal was always to get them to laugh one time yeah. Not inappropriately, but sure. I just knew that if they would laugh about something, that they were going to be okay. We were going to have right. a good experience. And um, I know there was one time this this little lady was not in a laughing mood at all. And uh, she this isn't even me trying to make a joke. This was just me kind of being mean. Um, but she <laughs> she kept everything I did. She would criticize every yeah. move I made sitting there writing the stuff down asking questions she would criticize and I I never assumed that I knew how to spell a name right because as soon as I wrote down Smith like you would normally spell it it would be like with a y and yeah, an like, e at the end yeah, and, exactly. and and so I asked all the time and so she gave me this name and I asked how to spell it and she looked at me and she said you don't know how to spell that and I said listen ma'am I I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want you to be reading the obituary and see a name spelled wrong and then, and then call down here and, you know, get mad at me. And she, she looked at me, this is after about 45 minutes of her, just criticizing every move. And she said, Oh, let me tell you, if I saw a name spelled wrong, I would call down. And I looked up and I shouldn't have done this. And it wasn't terrible, but in the moment it was not great. I I looked up and I said, ma'am, I have no doubt in my mind that you would be the first person to call down here and let me know what I did wrong, and she just went oh, and got mad. And then they went to another funeral home the next time that somebody. I
1: say, did she come died. back to her own funeral, or no. did she did she put in her will that they were not allowed to come to you?
0: The thing is, the next time somebody in her family the died, her. they went they went elsewhere. And then yeah. the next time they came back because they weren't nice to her either because she was a mean, yeah. horrible person.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and uh, no she was.
0: Yeah. She was talking to my dad and she said, does that young guy still work here? And he said, yeah, that's my son. And she said, you need to teach him how to talk to people. (laughs) He, he,
1: that's a kind projection.
0: Yeah. He still gives me a lot of crap over that. Like you need to learn how to talk to people. Joseph. That lady said so
1: not like in her defense, but you know, people are crazy around death. It's like, I, that's, that is the other thing I learned about death it's like or traumatic death or whatever it's like people just go bananas like you can't hold them accountable for anything you know it's like trying to hold bachelorettes in nashville accountable for their actions you know you can't you just cannot do it it's not fair it's like no they're crazy they're like they're like drinking they're like all the nail salon fumes mm-hmm. like all that stuff it's just bad news so you can't i don't know a grief grief i just give people a pass
0: oh yeah most and times that that was very early uh, that again, that was year two or three. Um, yeah. It eventually got to the point where that you could say anything in the world to me. And I knew you weren't mad at me. You know, right. you were mad at whoever was dead or you were mad at whoever, <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah. amazing how many people get upset with folks for dying, Oh, I. Know. but you can't take it out on them and right. you don't want to take it out on your family. So who do you have?
1: Right. You got if the guy at the end of the there. table
0: and that, and it's fine it's fine but you're well, right it, you got to give people a pass a lot you're, of the time. you're
1: racking up some good karma there for being the the punching bag for I'm, all these grieving crazy people
0: uh i i can handle it <laughs> we 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 would have new funeral directors come out almost crying and i was just like they're not mad at you like yeah. yes they are no they're not yeah. it's they're fine mad
1: henry. they're mad at henry
0: <laughs> they're they're mad at henry for having a heart attack or they're yeah. mad at they're the brother for, you know, going in and taking all his stuff while they were at the hospital. (laughs) You know, these things. Uh, It is. It really is. (laughs) Um, So, okay. I have told you a funny thing that happened to me one time and a mean thing that I did that uh, I apologize for, for anybody who listens to this and thinks I'm a bad person. I grew up, but uh, so do you have any you live in Nashville and the South is kind of its own funeral culture uh, that most people don't understand unless they've witnessed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You ever experienced anything strange?
1: Well, first of all, for the record, I would like to um, just put it out there that I've never said anything mean like you. I've never, I've only said funny things. Okay. Good. Good. Never. I'm never, ever mean. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I, the South is, so the thing about the South, um, and I've written about this a bunch, like I've lived in California for, I guess, 12, 13 years. Um, and then moved here, like I'm a recovering California you know and I like to call it. Um, and when you move to the South, there's all sorts of stuff about the culture that is, it's new. And I spent a lot of time here as a kid, my grandparents lived in Savannah, Georgia. So I spent summers in Savannah and lots of holidays and So I knew, you know, you know, kind of, but then it's like the thing in the South that's so interesting is that no matter what people are always, they're just so polite about stuff and it's, um, and welcoming and they, it's like, there's this thing where they don't want to say anything offensive really, you know, and it's there. So there's, um, there is kind of this, like, there's this proper thing that happens, certainly um, with the South that, you know, everything is very formal, you know, particularly at the funeral, it's like the church, it's all, everything is very kind of by the book. And I don't think that's necessarily um, unique to Southern culture, but, you know, just, just kind of the way, you know, there's definitely going to be tea, whatever is happening, there's going to be tea and probably like seven, like elderly ladies around to, to do the thing. But one, I mean, it is funny to me. I don't know if it'll be funny to anyone else in retrospect, but one of the things I did um, to kind of pull myself out of this grief situation was I joined the funeral guild at my church, which is where it's called Westminster Presbyterian Church, which is where my best friend went to church. And it just, there was like this connection there, you know, that I felt. Um, And so my husband and I ended up joining the church and there's all these ways you can get involved. You know, there's, you you can um, just a lot of volunteer opportunities. I thought, you know what, like I'm going to join the funeral guild because I understand what it's like to be in that situation. And maybe I can provide some, you know, I don't, I don't know, like just some comfort to people who are, who are in that situation. So um, one of my dear friends, mothers passed away and They had the funeral at the church so it was like my first like my debut funeral guild situation and i was kind of excited and so i volunteered to hold the hold the programs you know as people are coming in and i didn't really know anyone at the church yet and so i was sitting there very kind of like you know nicely handing out the programs and all of a sudden this lady comes from I feel like she was running, running towards me, running at me. And she kind of like, like comes up to me and bumps me and grabs the programs and says, oh, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this job. And I was like, okay. You know? And so I kind of meekly walked away, like stood by the tea and the, the donuts and the muffins. And, um, but I think to me, it was, it was it was a funny story because it was like I was try, I was trying so hard to like be this person that I wanted to be, which is you know like this comforting, and I literally got like WWF'd out of my role um, by this old lady who you know she was a friend of the person who would passed away, mm-hmm. so I understand I understood that like she felt you know I wanted to connect, I want to be the person doing this is a very important job, handing out the programs.
0: Right, the let me in, let me and, let me do yeah, something. Me
1: yeah, and you know. <clears throat> In retrospect, I probably would have fought a little bit harder for my post, but I was so in shock as to what was going on. I just, you know, and I was new and I didn't want to like cause a kerfuffle. But then right. COVID, COVID hit like two weeks later and then basically the Funeral Guild, I haven't been back since. Maybe they just didn't invite me back.
0: <laughs> They've been um, meeting for months. Yeah, they- <laughs>
1: exactly. I've like been taken off all the emails just to train that lady yeah. went
0: in and said she tried to take my job. Yeah, she
1: tried to take my I job. I don't
0: know, I don't know who she thinks she is. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, <laughs> really raining on her prey, but um but yeah, it was I think I think I've definitely been kicked off the funeral guild. <laughs> I need to ask about that actually. I feel like funerals are back, like in person funerals, right? They're not I mean, you can't have a funeral virtually.
0: I mean, it uh i don't know there's a lot of live streaming going on now but you know in you tennessee know, oh yeah yeah live streaming the yeah, funeral i gotta get um, in on that there's all kinds of things
1: uh, wow <laughs> um, maybe, maybe that's what they're doing
0: but i, I don't know because eh, i don't know tennessee's a different animal i don't i know where yeah tennessee's a little bit different from other parts of the country i don't know that they ever completely went away outside of those few months right there march yeah. to maybe right. june or july uh right. the way the way the state was going i know they didn't in in our hometown or in my hometown and where we've got places they they would cut down the gatherings to a certain amount of people right. and keep them spaced out and you know do all of that but uh, i think they were still there um but they did it introduced yeah you know, covid was so weird because uh, Listen, yes, that's my yes. that's my observation here, weird. COVID sure was weird, wasn't it? Uh, so, but it was it was weird specifically for everybody, I guess. But for specifically for funeral homes, because you had people looking at you going, "No, I want to do this. I want to right. have this gathering." And for right. us there were so many smug funeral directors who were like oh now you want to have a funeral you know you've been telling me how you're not going to have one cuz it's a right. it's a hassle and it's not necessary right. yeah. and now we're telling you that you can't have it and you're like but yeah. i have to Funerals and, are
1: like the new, the new hot girl you know
0: that's right, right. that's right <laughs> and they're, they're just like you're like oh i can't have one but i want one now uh so but i think they're they're getting back um they're getting back in uh, where people are doing more and more of them, and uh, so. But it was it was so weird. Uh, the things that came up out of it. I mean, people talk about this all the time. But you know, there's the live streaming thing, right? For a lot of things, Zoom. You know,
1: I'm putting that in my will <laughs> right now. That no Zoom funeral, like please, no if that Zoom funeral. What, if that is my fate. Like I just I can't I can't handle it. That's gonna, I, i'm gonna put that line item in
0: yeah you, you need to put a bunch of weird um a bunch of weird requests i had i had yeah. a guy once he prearranged his funeral and in there he said uh that he wanted to be buried within 24 hours of his death and he wanted to be buried at midnight
1: hmm. was he a vampire
0: uh no he was just it made sense when you knew him but uh you know we talked it was so funny because we talked about it for like a decade. Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? And nobody would ever give me an answer. And uh, then the phone rang one day and they told me that this guy had died. And I knew immediately, you know, we all knew what he wanted. I hung up the phone. I turned around and said, okay, are we burying this guy at midnight? No answer. And um, his family came in and he had two. he had those two requests. And then he had that he wanted the, he had a third one, which was, I want the editor of the newspaper to be there to take he pictures he did
1: he was like, and,
0: and yeah and and so they walked in and they said okay do you know about his request and i said yes I, can we bury him at midnight and i was like if we can i think so yes we can do it and then i told him about the newspaper and they were like we didn't know about that part why did he want the newspaper? I was like, okay, out of all of this, the part that you're shocked at is that he wanted the newspaper
1: well, to yeah, ride up that he got he buried at midnight for 10 years. He wanted to be buried within 24 hours and he wanted to be buried at midnight and you chose the newspaper.
0: Yeah. yeah the part, see? the part yeah. you're shocked at is yeah. the newspaper and the, the editor was actually new. And so when he showed up, he was like, I really thought this was a joke. He yeah. was like, I almost didn't come because I thought it was a prank from the funeral home. And I was like, we don't prank people.
1: Yeah, that's not, we're not in the business of pranking. We talk okay. about it, but we don't yeah, do it. <laughs> exactly. There may be a market for that. Ooh. Like the funeral, the punked for fu- the, like a That's right.
0: Get Ashton Kutcher in on this. And we'll, <laughs> we'll do funeral pranks, <laughs> but at actual funerals. Um,
1: <laughs> oh my God. No,
0: let's not do that. Uh So back to the,
1: back, back to, back to this topic. Yes.
0: Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, it, it's funny when you were telling that story. I, w- I, really was like, oh, she took this woman's job. Like, she's yeah. the one who handed out the programs, and you volunteered. In, in but maybe it was a friend. Not as
1: funny as it. W- it's like I feel like it's one of those stories that, as I say it out loud, I'm like, I feel like you would have had to be there. But it was well, very, I mean, but it was very funny to me. But it's probably the visual, I, 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 the
0: whatever. visual of. The intensity, the yeah. the urgency, yeah. uh, the physical nature of it. It's not like she just walked up and said, "Hey, let me do that."
1: No, she did not. No,
0: she like knocked you down and
1: manhandled me and robbed, <laughs> yeah, robbed the program.
0: You knocked over candles and set the sanctuary on fire. That's isn't that what happened?
1: <laughs> yep. That's it. That's it. The That's it. Maybe the by version three, the story will actually be worth telling. <laughs> because <laughs> i will have practiced enough. that's
0: right we'll just keep this I, going i'm
1: a better writer than commentator so i feel like this is a this we may have to edit this out but it was, it was funny in retrospect
0: <laughs> yes well i mean and again it <laughs> again it's it's that thing where you kind of give people a pass and you're just like yeah okay whatever if this yeah, is I what you it. need to do I, also, I like in those
1: mo- in those moments, you're like, I was like, okay, why am I here? Because I'm trying to do something good for someone, for my friend. Like, this isn't about me, you know. Even though, yes, I like practiced, <laughs> and, like I showed up for like, you know, I like went through the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I was very excited. It's not the right word, but you know, I was like, I was there to be supportive, and so, but you know, that's that's just like it was like a like a humble like a knock on my head like okay we know you're trying to be helpful but like it's not about you so i just yeah let yeah. it go
0: sometimes sometimes being helpful is not as helpful as we think that's and right. there are other ways to be helpful that's right and and you got to be willing to step back and say okay yeah i, I will help in this way right. i'll go arrange all the casseroles
1: <laughs> yes yeah, so the casserole. what else to be there the um sweet potato salad the um da- there's more sweet tea maybe lemonade Oh they're yeah, lucky. and maybe booze too you know the south is like I have to say like four o'clock is like it's happy hour it's you know? time no matter where you are which I love that part of it it's great it's so fun
0: see we all we learned the good churches to eat at and the ones that you didn't want to eat at and yeah. so uh, the great thing about church services for funeral directors is when you get started the church is doing like they're doing the music they're doing everything you can just you can go somewhere else and we wouldn't leave the premises but i would i mean we would always go out and search for where the food was
1: oh my gosh this is amazing and
0: and uh unless it was one that you didn't eat at and then it was like no don't don't get that it will make you sick
1: who has the best i feel like the lutherans always have good food right
0: see you gotta you gotta understand with me though uh ours was a a very rural situation in west tennessee uh
1: Baptist?
0: i i don't think any lutheran existed in my home okay. county at least not in practice because there was not a lutheran church okay. um there was uh there was one out in the county it was called a union church oh.
1: uh a i'll union? be honest
0: i don't even know
1: like
0: i don't even know like what
1: more or like unified
0: i think unified more okay um Slightly <clears throat> yeah. concerned. N- not in not in hardin county they're not celebrating the the union victory um,
1: you don't know though in tennessee you could go like oh know it was wrong direction and you're seeing confederate flags everywhere. oh yeah
0: we got um we have ulysses s grant's uh headquarters from the battle of shiloh in my hometown because the rich guy obviously wanted the union to win because he sold stuff to them yeah and uh so he he helped them out so it was it was a mixed bag in Hardin county Uh, as to who was doing what, but this was, that was a good place to eat, Um, and we knew, we all knew it, and so we would fight for those funerals. Uh, There was one time that uh, one of the other funeral directors and I went somewhere that we were unfamiliar with, and we ate, and um, it just about made us so sick that, like, we couldn't shut, we couldn't end the funeral. We were just doubled over in pain in the foyer of the church.
1: uh, I think this is a very important
0: Hoping to survive.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's a very important thing that you've enlightened people about. Like you, could you do a whole like report on best churches. Best where food. Best food. Um,
0: food yeah. by denomination.
1: Presbyter- Presbyterians, I have to say, very good food. Very good food. It's a lot of, again, like the, I mean, it's just, it's the Southern cooking. Like they love they love to cook. They love to share. It's like, you know, our church before COVID had a Wednesday night dinner every Wednesday at church and mm-hmm. you go and it's like, you're eating at a restaurant. It was great. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and they pull okay. out all the stops for the funeral food. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they do the best dishes. So, you know, right. it's, uh,
1: this is good. Funeral crap. Wedding crashers is a thing. Funeral crashing. Has, is that a movie? Is that, it should be. I, I think. There's some one of
0: the yeah the wedding the like the the head wedding crasher the kind of legendary wedding crasher I think ultimately crashed funerals. Um,
1: Vince Vaughn's character.
0: No, no, it was a it was a cameo by uh, uh, Will Ferrell.
1: Oh, Uh, sorry
0: if I spoiled Wedding Crashers for everyone. (laughs) um
1: but i need to go back i need to go back and brush up on my wedding crash i do love that movie he
0: he but. didn't do it for the food um but that that would be the reason that i would that i would crash a funeral would be
1: the food like, and yeah you know,
0: the the reception afterward it's
1: <laughs> something really inappropriate so i'm glad i didn't go there <laughs>
0: um but so, I, what I, I do to need say
1: is and this is true i met my husband my now husband the day of my best friend's funeral not at the funeral but the reason I'm saying this is that I think that you know if you're open and you're like very you know th- life has a way of kind of doing these weird things you know Oh yeah
0: yeah you um, never know what's gonna happen
1: you never you just never know what's gonna happen there's there's magic everywhere there is On that note. even
0: even at funerals uh, <laughs> so all right. Well, I look, I really appreciate this. I, I feel like this was a great, uh, a great conversation. I enjoyed it. I was glad to find a, a fellow Tennessean uh, mm-hmm. who was willing to have this conversation. Cause I feel like, I do feel like we've got a slightly unique perspective on some of these things uh, being where we are and, yeah. and the influences that we have, that we've dealt with. So I really appreciate it. Um, I do want to reiterate the book uh i'll give you a chance real like just you know a couple minutes if you want to tell us it's called champagne for one uh you want to give us a brief rundown before we finish up
1: yeah it's going to be um or it is uh really kind of a celebration of solitude um the idea being you know i think there's a lot of conversation and advice about being in relationships and but how to be alone is not um something that people really want to talk about so it's a funny take. It's full of like personal essays and some satire and a, and a poem, which is a signature poem called Champagne for One. And it's illustrated by this wonderful Nashville artist named Holly Mayer, um, and she she's a she's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so it's fun. It's, it's light, but it tackles, you know, tricky topics and hopefully kind of um, a light, inspiring, fun way. And it comes out February 22 is the date. I think pre-sale is going to start in December. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that.
0: Well, good. And everybody, look, be on the lookout. Uh, If you're unfamiliar, um, you have a website. Um, Everybody go to Rebecca's, like, search up Rebecca Iliff. Yeah. and rebecca uh Eilef.com. Yeah. just just like it should be uh Eilef.com. and check out her writing uh the the business and tech stuff is good the humor is good the essays are good uh you will not regret going in and, and reading some of this so uh please go check it out and rebecca again thank you so much thank i really you. appreciate it
1: likewise have a great day
0: right. thank you